This is the Tech Arts Podcast, where we talk about tech, leadership, and all things that concern church audio, video, and lighting. Welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast and the Phone Live Streaming Studios. My name is DL. So glad to have you joining us today. Have you ever heard of Waves plugins? Waves plugins offer a versatile and reliable toolkit that has earned its place as one of the most powerful audio tools in the world. We talk Waves plugins on today's church tech tip, so hang on for that. Free giveaway alert! On today's podcast, we are giving away two free tickets to the Wave Conference and a sound bullet. So you ask yourself, what is a sound bullet? Now, me being a Texas boy and being around bullets and guns, I was kind of drawn to this name. But essentially, the sound bullet is a pocket-sized audio tester. It's a powerful troubleshooting tool that is robust, reliable, and portable. Check this out. It has the following. A signal generator, internal speaker, phantom power checker, XLR input metering, XLR cable tester, and more. You can find out about it at sonic.com. That's S-O-N-N-E-C-T dot com. We'll be giving away one of those along with two free tickets to the Wave Conference. Never miss out on our free giveaways by liking and subscribing on our YouTube channel or our podcasts. By doing this, you ensure that you are notified when a new episode drops and you help us with all, all the uh, uh, big word algorithms. <laughs> These algorithms push us into more people's feeds, allowing the Tech Arts podcast to reach more people. So speaking of more people, our last episode with Pooch hit 27,000 views on YouTube and became the second highest listened to podcast. It's right behind our podcast episode entitled The Most Important Tech Position, which hit 33,000 listens. Thank you so much to everyone for helping the Tech Arts Podcast hit those numbers. We could not do it without you. To tell people more about the Tech Arts Podcast, just send them to the website techartspodcast.com. In other news, we are so happy to have a new sponsor. Digico is now a sponsor of the Tech Arts Podcast. That's right. Digico is on board with the Tech Arts Podcast. So let me tell you about this company. From sold out stadiums to intimate live performance venues, sound engineers agree on one thing for the best digital mixing consoles for live sound. The only name that matters is Digico. As the recognized worldwide standard for live audio mixing, Digico consoles are renowned for their industry-leading sound quality and ease of use. Whether your application is in a church, broadcast, theater, corporate, sports, or installed sound, Digico offers compact and affordable products from the S21 all the way up to the pioneering power of the Quantum 852. Digico delivers the workflow, the feature set, and the absolute reliability that the world's biggest tours and programs have come to rely upon. If you're looking for a sound console, look to Digico for your answer. For more information on Digico, go to digico.biz. That's digico.biz. I am so excited to have Digico on board as a sponsor. We are already in talks of doing some shows together and putting out some great new content. All right, are you ready to win some free stuff? You'll find out how on this next segment. Let's welcome to the Tech Arts Podcast the founder of Wave, Ron Procopio. Hey, Ron. Hello, how are you? Ron, I have some good news that everyone needs to hang on for. We have some free stuff to give away, including free tickets to Wave, so don't you tune out. But Ron, for everyone out there who's wondering about Wave, Give us some details. Where is it? What is it? Who's speaking? Why should I attend? Give us the yeah. deets. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I'm trying to sound cool there. The deets. You were so hip. I can't even right now. My, son, my son's going to hear this and he's going to be like, Tad, please. It's details. You're 46. It's details. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yes, it is. Uh, Worship Audio Visual Experience is Wave. We are uh, a conference and expo. We'll be in Louisville, Kentucky, September 12 to 14. Uh, the, the event is really focused around audiovisual technologies and how are we using them in the church? How are we increasing engagement? So there's a lot of education and exhibits and uh, fellowship that, that happens at the event. Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you guys, I've been to WAVE. Uh, it's, it's big enough that you're able to see manufacturers interact, uh, make some friends, but yet it's small enough that it feels comfortable to ask questions in the classes and kind of learn and educate yourself. Uh, Ron, who are some of the speakers that are going to be there? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's an awesome uh, list. We've got some big names like uh, Ben Stapley and Mark McDonald. Yourself uh, will be there. Um, we've recently added Harold Rubens, uh, audio engineer. Um, man's a legend out there uh, in the in the Christian uh, community. Uh, Bob Coughlin, director of music at Sovereign Grace, has recently joined us. Marcel Patillo is grabbing, uh, is going to be joining us. So there's there's some really great people that are doing this work every day. Um, and I can tell you, everyone I've talked to comes at it from uh, a place in their heart. They really all want to be out there helping people grow their churches and their production level. It's it's pretty amazing. Well, I mentioned earlier, I want to give away some free stuff, and Wave is included in that. So we're proud to announce that we are giving away some free tickets to Wave and a sound bullet to the first person to email us at information at digitalgreatcommission.org. Obviously, Wave is a world-class conference, and just for that reason, you should email us. But we are throwing in the sound bullet as well. And you might be saying, what is a sound bullet? Well, it's a pocket-sized audio tester, essentially a powerful troubleshooting tool that is robust, reliable, and portable. It has the following on it, a signal generator, internal speaker, phantom power checker, XLR input metering, XLR cable tester, and more. You can find out more about it at sonic.com. That's S-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. So to win this free sound bullet and the tickets to wave, again, all you have to do is email me at information at digitalgreatcommission.org. The first person to email us there will win. And that, again, is if you're listening to us, it's information at digitalgreatcommission.org. As a side note, when I get to wave, I'll also be giving away more sound bullets and some other free gifts. So you definitely want to sign up. And you definitely want to show up. So, hey, Ron, how do they sign up? Uh, very simple. Our website, wave-event.co, W-A-V-E-event.co. Uh, their registration is right on there. And, and I agree. There are so many giveaways on top of even what David's doing. We're giving away. Uh, there's T-shirts. There's swag. There's uh, stuff from all the exhibitors. You know, on, on top of getting free lunch at the sessions and all the education that you get. It's an amazing conference. So you go to wave-event.co. And if you want a discount, you can put in the discount code DGCM. So not only are we giving away free stuff, but we're also discounting the price. So again, that discount code DGCM, and you go to wave-event.co. Ron, thanks for coming on and telling us about the conference. Oh, thank you, and I uh, hope to see everybody there in Louisville. It's time to talk today's church tech tip. I'm so excited about this tip, but it makes for somewhat of an odd podcast today. We just talked about the Worship Audio Visual Experience Conference, or as they call it, the Wave Conference. Well, today's church tech tip comes from Waves Audio, the world-leading developer of audio plugins. So Waves and waves. Kind of odd, but kind of cool too. As I like to say it, the world aligns on the Tech Arts Podcast. <laughs> all right, enough of my bad dad jokes. Let's get right to it and welcome all the way from Israel, Val Kotler. Hey, Val. Hi, how are you, David? How are you guys? Very good to hear you, hopefully, and you can see us, hopefully. So, hi, how are you doing? 
Yeah, we could see you great, man. So Val, tell us, what do you do for Waves? Okay, so my official position at Waves is a product manager. I'm a senior product manager with Waves. I'm working with the Waves Audio uh, as an employee, as a product manager, manager for last 12 years. So, uh, and I'm specializing in plugins and solutions for the live market, for the live audio, for the live shows and events. This is what I'm doing. Well, I see here, Val, in your bio that uh, you have been in the industry for 30 years. That means you know what's good and you know what's bad. So speaking of good, why Waves? What makes it so special? Well, first of all, um, let's start from that, that Waves is actually a pioneer in a plugin world. Okay, so in all of this media, as we know today of the computer processing of the plugins and the DSP and everything that it's happening technology waves ways uh, uh, waves actually pioneered it in beginning of 1991 so first ever plugin in this world was created by waves audio and it was Q10 which is a paragraphic equalizer okay so and at the time there was actually no computer that could run the plugin so they built a special computer to run it and present an ability to do it because up to then it was only analog uh, audio audio devices etc everyone is familiar with the standard analog gear so transferring or moving to the digital audio it was uh, Waves who actually started or kick-started the, this process from the get-go. So, and Waves, since then, continuously introduced new tools, new technologies, uh, and technologies they introduced always been kind of in two two-pronged solution. One was always connected to the providing and actual tools that can solve a problem, a problem solvers. And another one was always connected to making your audio better than it's always been. Because it's the same thing like in a studio, same kind of instruments that you had in a studio in the analog domain, which some of them helped you to resolve the problem, but some of them, when you passed audio through it, suddenly it was become richer, louder, more present, more uh, intelligible, all of those stuff, which is basically glorifying the audio. So problem solvers and making sure that your audio at, uh, is as pretty and as beautiful as it can be. Both of those stuff started to show up one after another in form of plugins. And with time, all of those plugins that been employed in a studio only, and in studio environment, Waves pretty much, pretty fast became kind of de facto standard. I did not know that. I did not know that Waves was basically the inventor uh, of the plugin that came out with the very first plugin. So if you're watching this and you want the company that has done it the longest and done it the best, obviously it's Waves. They have the most experience when it comes to plugins and things of that nature. So today, Val, we're talking about the primary source expander. Val, you told me a story about how that came about. Can you tell our audience that story? So I will have to, you know, kind of go back in time just a little bit because my angle of coming to Waves is a little bit different than usual because most of the guys who used to work at Waves being a studio rats, whatever we call it, guys who work in a studio and broadcast, uh, while myself, I always worked in a live sound. I always worked in the live events, shows, uh, etc. So eventually, I met uh, one of the Waves guys who said they they very interested to go into the live market. And for that, they want to start working with me because I have quite a lot of experience doing live shows. And when my kind of first mission when I came in and started to work for Waves, it started to go through uh, to churches and places like that to experience myself what it's actually 
people doing there, how, what's the workflow, what's the problems they're facing, what can be improved and how we can help them to uh, resolve their problems if they have or kind of make it sound better if they need to. Because I really know the, the live shows and rock and roll and music and all of the music performances, but was a bit less familiar with the preachers and stuff. So when we went, I went to churches and saw it. So one of the problems I saw basically immediately, it's the problem with the, with the feedback especially from the coming from the lectern, lectern microphone or the wireless microphone that the preachers employed. And especially between the phrases, so people were talking and while uh, between, uh, between the phrases and while they keeping, for example, doing something, suddenly Mike was taking off and making horrendous noises and basically pulling people out of the very important experience yeah, the spoken word is the primary exactly. goal of what they're trying to do. And so the feedback was distracting everything that was going on. So as a result, we um, we said, okay, we can come up with a tool. Okay, we, we made a bunch of tools within time. But this was the first one which kind of kick-started the process. And so you kind of understand our thinking and approach to, the, to what we actually see. So we were not sitting in a lab coming up with some weird ideas we're actually going into the field and see what people experience and we try and based on that to provide a solution on idea how to improve uh, the thing so it's very very practical based on the real life experience so when we when we said so the primary goal we said this is the primary focus the pastor the, the primary source is the word Okay, so we came up with a tool which called a primary source expander. Okay, that's the tool we we kind of decided to do. In the idea of the tool, and uh, I share the screen, and hopefully Dave can uh, tell me if people can see my screen. Yeah, we can see it great, man. So this is the primary source expander that we're looking yes. at right now. What we see right now, right here, can you see my mouse also? Yep. Wonderful. So this is the primary source expander. It's a very, very simple tool to activate. As you see, while I'm talking, the blue meter is actually my input level. This is what comes into the plugin. Okay. Now what I can do, it's like that. As you see on the red here, it says range. This is basically what it's going to do. It's going to, if I'm going to move it, and click, for example, on minus or drag the handle, it's going to go to minus six, minus seven, etc. What it's going to do, so between the phrases, when I'm going to stop talking, it's going to uh, duck the audio, my audio, by this amount. So you're not going to hear it right now because we're not connected in the proper, but you can see what it's going to happen. So... You see, as soon as I start talking, the red meter, it's actually initiates here. You see it? So what happens is when I start to stop talking, the audio is actually, it's same thing like you have your finger on a fader, okay? On a pastor's fader. And every time he stops talking, you're moving the fader by 8 dB down. Okay, and then immediately up. Now, we actually saw the guys in the church doing exactly that. So, with their finger on a fader and trying to follow the pastor. And sometimes it's, it's very difficult because the, the speech is very dynamic and it comes and it goes. And it's very tiring. And especially for the, for the volunteer at the church, it becomes like instead of actually focusing on, on the matter and on the word, they constantly busy trying to ride the fader. So this plugin, basically what it does, it rides the fader for you. Okay, so every time I start uh, stop speaking, the level goes down by ADB. So, by the way, as a recommendation, this is what I usually recommend. This is pretty much the value which is reasonable. Dave, you want to say something? 
Yeah, I was going to say it, it not only would help eliminate feedback, but I think it would reduce noise as well. Absolutely. Actually, this plugin is used right now in so many applications, not only in the live churches, it's used for the podcasters and the broadcast and everything else. So every time on the radio, for example, the, the microphone of the MC connects to it and every time it speaks, it stops speaking, it's actually go, the level goes down. So all of the ambient noise goes down with it. For example, in a church, there's quite a lot of reflections so, uh, from, the, from the walls and the, uh, and the glass uh, windows and everything else, right? So all of those stuff contribute, for example, to the general problem of understanding and the intelligibility of the words. Now, by reducing, especially those places in between words, between the sentences, reducing the overall noise and the ambient noise and the reflections, the, intelligi the intelligibility raises tremendously. So finally, not only we uh, uh, can hear it without feedback, but we actually can hear the words more precisely. So it's actually two in one. And that's pretty much, in a nutshell, what the plugin does. Of course, we can tweak it even more. For example, there is an internal filter which allows you to focus on the particular instrument. Or, or uh, if we're talking about vocal, that uh, we're talking about the, the so for example, the frequencies uh, for the vocal, probably more dominant frequencies is around 500 hertz. So we can adjust this particular filter to concentrate around that area. And now precision of the device will be considerably increased. Now it actually reacts only to my voice and in nothing else. For example, low rumble, if it's going to be next to me, it will not actually uh, even move because of it and it will stay closed and it will only react to my specific vocal. That's a powerful plugin and that's called the primary source expander. So uh, if you guys have not used that or heard of that, uh, go check it out. Um, you can go to waves.com to find out uh, about uh, the primary source expander. If you don't know anything about waves, go to waves.com and check them out. They can also get a hold of you, Val, by emailing you at val at waves.com. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, Val would be happy to take your email, explain to you how the primary source expander works. And this is just one of the plugins. If you're not familiar with them, go check them out. They have a ton of plugins that, that help take good content, make it better, help fix things, help with feedback reduction as we're seeing today. Val, we should bring you back and talk more about Waves plugins and how to mix with them in a way that achieves a rock and mix. I mean, uh, I'm talking about doing a full hour on this stuff and helping people understand how to get the best sound out of each channel. Would you be game for that, man? Absolutely. Wonderful idea. And we're all for it. So, guys, whatever you need, we'll be here for you. Well, we will make that happen. Val, thank you for coming on the Tech Arts Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it, David. Uh, thank you all. It's almost time for part two of our talk with Ken Pooch Van Druten. Get ready to find out which audio console he prefers, how he puts together a mix, does being able to play a musical instrument help your front of house skills, and which beer does he drink on the road? I bet I know which beer he doesn't drink. Answers to those questions are all coming up right after this word from our sponsors. Thank you for listening to the Tech Arts Podcast. Be sure to tell all your friends about us. Give them the website techartspodcast.com to find out more. More great content is coming up right after this. Our main sponsor is Digital Great Commission Ministries. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just better understanding the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Because they are a 501c3 donor-sponsored organization, they come to your church for free and do an assessment of your tech, visitor engagement, and online streaming. Plus, we give away free gear. Be sure to go to audiovideolighting.com and register your email today. This will sign you up for all of the free giveaways and give you first access to everything we offer for free. 
If you want free resources, training, or consulting, contact Digital Great Commission Ministries today by going to audiovideolighting.com. That's audiovideolighting.com. Welcome back to the Tech Arts Podcast. Now, if you haven't listened to part one of our conversation with Ken Pooch Van Druten, I recommend you go and listen to that. Pooch talks about a bunch of concepts, ideas, and mixed techniques that will help you. But right now, it's time to jump into part two of our conversation with Pooch. We pick up with me telling Pooch about a lesson I learned from a secular mix engineer, and we get Pooch's thoughts on how putting together a full mix is more important than what each individual channel sounds like. Check it out. I used to mix my bass guitar like really fat, sounded awesome. I would solo it and it just sounded really good. But in the mix, everything just always seemed muddy. And so I talked to, uh, uh, you know, I'd been in the Christian community most of my life and I, I can't remember his name, but I talked to somebody in the secular community that was mixing just uh, at, a, at a local bar. And he said, hey, it is very important that I mix my bass guitar so it fits with my kick drum. So when he soloed his bass, it's, it sounded bad. <laughs> like it was really thin, didn't sound correct to me. But when he put it with the kick drum, it sounded sweet in the That's full it. mix of things. And I think I was like 17 or 18, something like that. I wasn't supposed to be in a bar, but I was. And, <laughs> and uh, it, when he went over that with me, it just, it revolutionized. It kind of changed how I thought about how instruments work together with each other. Yes. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Talk about how putting everything together is more important than each individual instrument. That's, that's really great. Uh, you know, I say the same thing all the time. If you were to um, go through a virtual playback of my mixes and solo up individual things, you would be like, wow, that's pretty crappy sounding, you know, or, or whatever. And the reason is, is that I'm making compromises to fit other things in the frequency spectrum. You know, there's a lot going on when you're talking about trying to make a bunch of inputs all work together. Um, and especially when we were talking about bass guitar, you know, that range from 80 Hertz to like 250 is the hardest part of mixing, in my opinion. Getting that part right in a, in a large-scale line array PA uh, is the most difficult part of what I do. And trying to make things be intelligible and things you can pick out in that particular frequency range is, is tough. It's tough. It's really hard. Um, the way that I think about it is this. Nothing gets to share the same frequency space or stereo space or depth space. There's three things. So stereo, depth, and frequency space. Those are the three things that are going on in my head as I create a mix. So in other words, if the focus of a kick drum, the center frequency of a kick drum is 60 hertz, nothing else gets to get 60 hertz. Nothing else gets to be prominently addressed at 60 hertz. So I actually move, like maybe the bass guitar is, its center is also 60, but on purpose with EQ, I move the center of that bass guitar to 80 so that it is not sharing the same frequency space. And then thinking about the same process, I never ever put, if something is at 10 o'clock, say a guitar is at 10 o'clock, there's nothing else gets 10 o'clock. Other things get 10, 15, 10, 30, but they don't ever get 10. And so in my own brain, there's this width, right? So you're deciding where things can go in the stereo width, but you're also deciding frequency center-wise what gets to be the star. So for instance, um, you know, snare drum, I love big fat snare drums and I love like 100 or 125 in the bottom of a snare drum. I love that, but that's also where a lot of things exist. You know, it, it, it's the, you know, the middle of a bass guitar. It's the bottom of regular guitars. It's 
maybe even some vocals sometimes, you know. So juggling that is is a little bit hard. But oftentimes I say, nope, snare drum gets that 125 because that is the big, thick, great sounding snare drum that I want. So now I'm going to shift other things to be higher. So I'll high pass my guitars so they're a little bit higher than a, above that 125 range. Um, and so the third concept is depth. And that's a little bit, it's a little bit more advanced. Um, but thinking about putting things using artificial reverb and effects to place things further away from you or nearer to you. Um, is I think about that in the same way that I'm thinking about the frequency and the stereo width. So, um, uh, you know, if vocal, if you want vocal right up front in your face, nothing else gets to be there. Everything else has to be behind it, um, you know, and surrounding it. Um, and, and so that includes, you know, pre-delay and, and length of reverbs on certain things to make them feel like they're further away. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit more of a difficult concept and it's something that I later on in my career, like kind of one day I went, aha, okay, I understand it. Um, but, but I just wanted to share with you, those are my three things that's really going through my head the entire time that I'm creating a mix. Um, it's, it's all about not sharing the same space. Yeah, that's awesome. So what console do you prefer to, to accomplish those three things on? I'm a big fan of Digico. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of my favorite, but I'm just curious, what do you like mixing on? What's your go-to? So I own an SD7 or a Quantum 7, um, and uh, I purchased it because I thought, I think that it is the best console out there. And the reason that I like it so much is that it's the most transparent console of all the consoles that are out there. Um, <clears throat> the biggies, you know, Yamaha and, and Avid and, you know, whatever. The, all of those consoles in the front end part of them have some sort of coloration, which makes them sound... This is an interesting conversation because it makes them sound individually. If you bring up a bass guitar on an Avid console, it has coloration, harmonic distortion, you know, that kind of things. You bring up that bass guitar by itself and you, you go, wow, okay, it's warm and it's pretty and it's great and whatever. But like the conversation that you said earlier, when you start adding things together that have already been colored on that front end, to me... It, it gets difficult to manage that. So what I'm looking for is something that is really transparent and then I can decide what things I want to color. Um, and that's why, you know, I always say Digico is an amazing console and by itself, it's amazing. But to me, the Digico and Waves thing together is what makes the package amazing because the waves is the um, harmonic distortion part of this, right? Like I can make, leave things clean, but I can make a few things have that warm harmonic distortion, combine all that together. And to me, the summing of that is, a, is better than anything else that's out there. Um, but, but I'll say to you, you know, listen, I've had success on the SSL console. I've had success. Certainly the latest, um, Yamaha stuff is really great, you know, uh, and some of their built-in, you know, Rupert Neve stuff is, is fantastic. Um, so, you know, it, it's, I always say it's not the tool, it's the fool, <laughs> um, you know, so it is, it is about, you know, your, your mixing abilities and, and honestly, you could give me any one of those consoles and I could get through it, but because I've been a Digico user for so many years now, I'm faster on Digico and can get, get you a better result quicker. So PA wise, what's your PA of choice? Um, that's funny, you know. Right now, my PA of choice is Cohesion, uh, made by Claire. It's a, it's a proprietary box, so it's not something you can just buy off the shelf. Um, it, it's 
it's just a really, really great box. But when you're talking about off-the-shelf boxes, um, there are, uh, you know, all the standards that everyone goes for, you know. Um, I, I really like the New Panther box. I like that box. Um, I like... Um, you know, D&B's got some really pretty amazing stuff going on. Um, you know, L Acoustics, of course. Um, you know, L Acoustics is, uh, is just one of those PAs where you, you know, you know what you're going to get. Um, you know, I, I, L Acoustics probably hates me for saying this, but I, I've said this before. It's like, to me, it's the McDonald's of PA. Like you go there and you're like, okay, I know what I'm getting. This is, you know, K1, and it, and it sounds amazing. It does everything that I want it to do. Um, but I tend to be more of a, um, I like boutique PAs a little better. Something um, like Adamson, for instance. So Adamson, you know, I like, I want sound guys to be standing there and look at each other and go, dude, that snare drum, holy crap, or dude, that guitar, or dude, that vocal, or, you know, whatever is shines in that box. And there tends to be boutique more PAs that kind of do that, as opposed to your, you know, L Acoustics or, or D&B or, you know, whatever the, the latest, greatest thing is. Yeah, I, um, I like to tell churches, you know, if you're playing in the, in the Meyer D&B, L Acoustics world, you know, Martin, there's some others, Adamson. Yeah. You're in a good place. You are. To me, it's like ice cream, right? Like it's going to the ice cream truck. You like vanilla and you like chocolate. It's still ice cream. You know what I mean? It's like we're, we're, we're talking about the same, when we're talking about the top, maybe even the top 10 PAs, we're talking about great boxes that you can get good results with. They all have their positives. Yes. And they all have their negatives. Correct. And it comes down to what you're mixing and how you're mixing, how the room is tuned. I think tuning is very important uh, to make sure it's tuned correct. But if you're playing in that echelon of, you know, the top four or five manufacturers that are out there, and I think definitely Meyer, L Acoustics, DMB are in that, in those, in the top five for sure. Uh, then you're playing in the right place. I think if, you know, a buddy tells you, hey, go get this, uh, PA that no one's ever heard of, then start thinking a little bit two or three times about that. But st <laughs> stay at the top echelon. Um, spend yeah. your money there because your 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 PA is going to be with you for twenty years. Every church I go in and consult with, I've honestly literally never walked into a church that has said, "Hey, we're going to keep this PA for three or four years, and then we're going to change it out." I know. Uh, most cases, it's there for 10 years, 15 years, in some cases, 20 years. I've seen, I've seen Meyer in some churches that have just lasted forever. Meyer and Disney lasted forever. Yeah. Um, so your PA is going to be an important decision. Uh, spend your money on the upper echelon is what I like to tell people. So we talked a little bit about consoles. We talked a little bit about PA. What is your beer choice when you're on the road? <laughs> Uh, let's see. I don't know. I mean, uh, uh, I'm a porter kind of a guy. <laughs> porter. Yeah. You talked about Iron Maiden. I think you're going on tour with them for what, three months or something like yeah, that? Yeah. Three and a half months. Uh, I leave, um, Sunday and I'm back August 15th. International, right? Internationally. Yeah. We go and we rehearse, uh, in Croatia. Uh, they, they love to rehearse in Croatia. It's kind of a vacation as well. Um, and, uh, we're there for about three and a half weeks and then we go do production rehearsals. Um, I forget where those are this time. Uh, it's wherever the first show is somewhere, somewhere strange Czechoslovakia, I think, or something <laughs> Czechos somewhere um, over there. Yeah. So what I'm getting at is you've been around the world quite a few times. What, yes. What's your favorite food? What's your favorite city? Oh man, that's tough. Um, you can include the U S too. I mean, yeah. Um, I have a real love for Paris. Um, I got engaged in Paris. My wife um, speaks a little French. So um, uh, there's a there's a connection to that city that I feel is real. Um, geez, where else? Um, I love Prague. 
a lot. That's yeah. a great city. Um, what, so what's your favorite food in those cities? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I tend to love the whatever is the ethnic food of that place. So, you know, you go to Japan uh, and, you know, of course you have to go to amazing sushi joints and, you know, and, and um, you know, experience. Um, they have this, uh, uh, in, in Osaka, they have this uh, thing called, it's basically like an egg omelet. Um, that is something, the most amazing omelet that you've ever had in your entire life. Um, and it's, it's not meant for like breakfast. It's meant like as a, as a dinner item and they cook it in front of you on a, you know, on a, a grill. Um, anyway, um, so I, I like the food of wherever I'm at, you know, um, but it tends to be for me, like I will seek out, um, Thai food and Indian food. Um, definitely in the UK, like that's all I'm doing is looking for places for a curry. Man, I just, uh, I love brisket, man. I'm in, yeah. I'm in Dallas, Texas <laughs> for a I reason. Mean, you know. Like it's just, uh, I've, I've gone, um, you know, Israel and around the world a little yeah. bit, not as much as you obviously, but, uh, get back here and give me some good old Texas brisket. Yeah. And me just, too. You know, I make, didn't grow up in Texas. I grew up in California, but my wife is from Texas. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I've been here for 25 years now. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I love the Texas brisket as well. One of the questions I was going to ask you is, is music lessons a, a big deal? And the reason why I'm asking this question is, is I'll meet a guy or a gal who's mixing and I'll ask them like, Hey, do you have any music lessons? Do you play an instrument? Yeah. And they'll say, no, I've, I've never played an instrument in my entire life. Talk a little bit about that and maybe some things that engineers can do to help themselves get better as a, as a mixer that doesn't necessarily have to do with being on the console. Yeah. So this is an interesting question because, you know, there are major mixers out there right now who mix top artists that are not musicians and don't know anything about music. Um, but I feel like you have an advantage if you have some of that knowledge, especially if you dabble a little bit in the pop world um, and then, you know, some of the Christian um, you know, artists, um, uh, being able to communicate with a musical director about specifically uh, musical talk, like, you know, they're in the bridge section or in the chorus, third chorus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And having knowledge of some of those things, you know, like, you know, that part where you modulate up you know, that, that part needs to, uh, you know, the guitar player needs to play louder, whatever. And you don't want to say, what does modulate mean? <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. And, and so those are communication skills that like you need to have to, um, enhance the, the experience of, of working with other people, in my opinion. Um, I, I just, you know, I grew up as being a musician. Um, I went to Berkeley college of music as a performer, um, I really kind of had no intention of being an engineer. Uh, I was a bass player and I got there and looked around and I said, there's 200 bass players here that are way better than I am. Uh, there's no way I'm going to end up being a bass player and make, and make a living at it. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it kind of, I kind of took a right turn there, but, um, I, I think it's important that you do have some of that knowledge, um, uh, that's not to say that, you know, you have to master an instrument or whatever, but, but having some sort of harmony knowledge, ear training kind of knowledge, I think is important. Um, as far as, uh, being a better engineer, um, I think ear training is important. Like I encourage, um, people to, uh, engineers to, you know, just get get like a graphic EQ and start listening to music through it. Start boosting frequencies and cutting frequencies and boosting frequencies and cutting frequencies and then trying to do it without looking at what it is that you're boosting and cutting and trying to identify what those frequencies are and learn at least close to the sections of frequencies so that you have an idea 
uh, of where to shoot for. Um, I think that's important. I think ear training is, is, is important. Um, another thing that I always tell people, which is a little bit weird, but it's, it's the truth. Um, an engineer should be studying psychology and people, how to get along with people, how to get what you need from someone, um, without, uh, without them kind of knowing <laughs> that you're, you're getting something out of them. Those are all psychological things. I think a real secret to my success has been to be able to walk into a room full of crazy people and identify what's going on with every single one of them quickly. Like, okay, I know that that manager has a problem with X, Y, Z. I know that the artist is having a problem with whatever. And those are all like skills, psychological skills. Those have nothing to do with being able to mix and get a gain structure happening. But there are some really, really great books, Psychology 101, on how, um, how to get along with people and how to get what you need out of people without them knowing that you're getting what you need. <laughs> yeah, don't be a jerk. Yeah, don't, don't be a jerk. Don't be a jerk. Don't be rude. Yeah. I've seen some very, very talented guys and gals go into mix and they're gone the first day because they didn't identify with the band. Um, they didn't, it was their way or the highway uh, and they were just rude. And uh, at the end of the day, the band and the artists, they are the boss. Absolutely. And if you can't get along with them, they're not going to have it. They're just going to go to the next person. There is an engineer and I'm not going to name his name, but he is, I would say top five engineers in the world, like really amazing and has mixed giant artists through the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. That guy cannot find work right now. And the reason is, is his reputation of being really hard to work with um, and having a bad attitude. And so, yeah, man, you can't, that's the most important thing is, is I, when I work with an artist, my whole purpose in life is to let them feel that I am there for them and I am there uh, to, to help them get their, their message across. Like I'm there for them. I'm not there for myself. I'm here to get your music across like you want it to be. And so whatever, whatever that is, um, the feeling that they have and the trust that they can build with me knowing saying, Hey, that guy's got my back and I know it's going to sound great out there because he's looking out for me. Um, there's nothing, you know, that has nothing to do with engineering skills mm -mm. that has everything to do with people skills and having conversations with people and getting along with them. I think what you just said is very key for a lot of churches as well. You're not there to mix for yourself. Nobody's there to mix for themselves. You're, to, you're there to mix for whoever is important. And, and sometimes that's the crowd. And sometimes that's uh, uh, a manager. Sometimes that's a girlfriend. <laughs> sometimes, you know, it's, you're there for, it's never about you. If you make it about you, you're not going to last very long. No, you the won't. mix should be about the vision of the house. And like you said, that changes in the secular world. That can that could be a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> that could be the audience. That could be the the guy standing on the stage, the artist. Uh, in the church world, typically it's it's the senior pastor, it's the people that are attending, and the the elders and the deacons, etc. Um, but it's very rarely, if ever, about you. That's right. If you want it to be about how you want it to sound, you've got to identify with the band. With and, and capture their vision of what they want and how they want it. Uh, you can't be a jerk. You got to have people skills. And then you get all kinds of leeway and freedom. When the artist stands on the platform and says, hey, Pooch, what do you think of this? You've nailed it. Yep. At that point, they're trusting you with, with the millions and millions of dollars that they make. That's right. They're trusting you with their vision. As soon as they start treating you like a producer and not just a live sound mixer, then you're in. You, you've, you've got it. You know, when they start saying, well, in this section, you know, I just feel like I'm not, you know, you're, you're in. Yeah, I mean, 
one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, do you consider yourself a part of the band? I, I do. I, I, I consider myself an extension of the band. Um, but I have, unlike, unlike a band, I have everyone's best interests in mind as a mixer. You know, the, the old joke of a guitar player walking into a recording session and saying, oh, you know, turn me up. Bass player walks in, oh, turn me up. Drummer walks in, oh, turn me up. You know, that that's truth, right? Like, that happens. Um, and each of them are kind of looking out for themselves and think that each of them should be loud or whatever. Of course, the electric guitar player, the yeah. electric guitar player should be the loudest, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> louder than the vocal, wait. That's right, way um, louder than the vocal. <laughs> no, 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 I mean, I mean um, I'm the traffic cop. I like take all of that information and do what's right for the better good. Um, so, so the answer is yes, I am an extension of the band, but I'm also a, um, I don't know what the word is, um, a, a, someone that, that cares about the, the overall product. We just said it, right? People skills. If the band feels like you're a part of the band, you've nailed it. If the yeah. artist feels like you're a part of their vision, you've nailed it. But there's other factors out there, Right. You, you, how you mix, how you set it up when you come in for sound check, things of that nature all play into uh, what you're doing. So, you know, do you consider yourself a part of the band? I think the answer is yes and no from what, what I'm hearing you say. I think you have to kind of balance a few other things uh, in there and make sure that uh, everybody understands uh, where you're heading and where you're going, which is a little bit different as the tech behind the console. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird, uh, at least in the secular part of this it's a weird line to walk like i don't there are engineers that make a living out of becoming best friends with the artists right um that's not my philosophy i try really hard to have a working relationship and respect and um you know hang out a little bit but it's like i don't you know i don't want to go to the guy's house for dinner. You know what I mean? That's, that's not, that's not how our relationship should be. And the reason I think it should be that way is that you get better results when you keep it as a business relationship, when there's not this personal wrapped up relationship. Um, and I think you, you can get hurt easily if you decide I'm going to become best friends with a musical director, um, you know, it's, it's a real, it's a weird tightrope. And I, and I try to establish those things early on in, in a relationship with, um, you know, with an artist that I'm working with. Do you like mix in front of house or do you like mixing in ears? <laughs> or I should say monitors. I guess, I guess some people still use monitors, but, uh, what, what, what's your favorite? Oh man. Um, Stay, I'd stay away as far away from the stage as possible. <laughs> um, and the reason, the reason I'll tell you what the reason is. Um, I feel like as a monitor engineer, um, you aren't getting to show your creativity as a mixer. You're kind of like a short order cook. Um, you know, someone's ordering, I want an omelet and I want mushrooms and cheese in it. And, and so as a mixer, you're creating mixes for someone that are not necessarily creatively amazing sounding things. They are just what the musician is asking for to be in the mix in order to play. Um, and to me, that's not as creative as being a front of house guy. There's guys that get off on that and love it and are able, when they deliver to uh, a an artist exactly what they want and the artist is happy about it i get that there's there's something to that but i i just don't i don't identify with it at all i mixed a lot of monitors back before there were iams i mixed loud wedges i mixed for bands like pantera um as as a monitor engineer um and i just never enjoyed it as i do it front of house 
Well, Pooch, you're nicer than me. I hate mixing monitors. Absolutely. <laughs> I've done it four or five times, yeah. and I, uh, if I can avoid it, me too. I avoid it. It's too close, too close to the artist. Well, I mean, and there's other things. Uh, you know, when I mix monitors, you know, typically the vocals would be in ears, and then the band would be wedges and things like that. And so I, I just didn't like the environment. You know, I was up on the platform, just things rattling all around me, and you know, I had to, you know, pop in ears to listen to the ears and a wedge to this and wedge. And then, you know, like you said, it's all about them and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they need what they need. Um, but when I was at front of house, I felt like I had the freedom to, to mix an instrument. And that's, uh, that's where I felt, uh, the best, uh, for me at least. Yeah, absolutely. I think even in, in the most hardcore front of house situations where it's being dictated to you exactly how it should sound, you still have a creative part of that in achieving and being a front of house mixer. You're still doing some creative things in order to get to whatever the, the hardest, you know, however the manager or the artist, I want it to sound like this. Um, even in that situation, you're doing a lot of creative things. Um, I just, you know, these, these guys that have 32 stereo mixes, I like, what? I don't know anything. How do you about keep that. track of all that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know. All right, Pooch, you've mixed for a lot of artists. Who's your favorite artist to mix for? Oh boy. Um, I really liked Whitney Houston. She was really sweet to me. Uh, and pro and definitely not probably, uh, definitely the best singer that I've ever worked for. Uh, like the hairs on your arm would stand up when she would sing. It, it was unbelievable. Um, but then, um, you know, I worked for Lincoln Park for 13 years and developed a real rapport with those guys where I, I really felt like I was part of uh, the band in regards to being a producer of their sound, their live sound. Um, and we worked very closely in rehearsals in trying to get exactly what they wanted. Um, it was a super amazing creative process. Um, so that's been good. Um, and, and honestly, Iron Maiden, the band that I work for now, you know, I grew up as a serious Iron Maiden fan. Um, and so that's fun to mix a band that, you know, I mean, you know, when I was 15, I was cranking their records in my house. And so there are moments now where I'm mixing them and I feel like I'm being transported back to being 15 years old, you know, in my room cracking one of their records. Um, and uh, so those guys are amazing musicians and, and super respectful. Uh, I've been working for them for five years now and, and, and I love it. I'll, I'll stay there as long as they'll have me. Pooch, man, you have a lot of awesome insights. I know you mix behind the console, but you also put a lot of insights out there for people to to see and hear and learn. If people want to follow you, your Instagram account, I think it's F-O-H underscore engineer underscore Pooch. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Awesome. So I encourage everyone to go out there and subscribe to that you get some bonus content. It's, 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 he, he puts a lot of stuff out there when he's out on tour, he'll do some little videos and kind of show you what he's doing. It's very cool. So go subscribe to his Instagram account, F O H underscore engineer underscore pooch. And also, you know, I, 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 um, did a thing during the pandemic, um, with Chris Raybold, who's an amazing engineer, um, it's on YouTube. It's a YouTube channel called Pooch and Raybold. Um, and, uh, I'm really super proud of all that stuff. I think there's 42, 42 hours of him and I just talking about audio. Um, and, uh, I found a lot of people that ended up watching that have come back to me and said, wow, that was very, very helpful. So, um, you know, even though it was recorded in 2021 or whatever, there's, stuff on there that's that's you know relevant to today for sure and that's on youtube right that's on youtube yeah what's the youtube handle for people to get there if you search pooch and raybold r-a-b-o-l-d uh you will you'll find it that's awesome pooch it was amazing having you on today thank you for having me man i always love talking about audio um i i 
have always felt like it's not mine to keep. Um, it's mine to give away. Uh, and so if, if this helps anybody, um, I'm, I'm doing what I should be doing. Everybody go check out Pooch's Instagram account and the YouTube account. Uh, there's a lot of insights for you there. Great guy, uh, willing to work with you. Willing, reach out to him, talk to him, learn from yeah. him. Um, awesome guy. So Pooch, thank you again for coming on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, that wraps things up for today's episode. I can't wait to talk to you on the next Tech Arts Podcast. Until then, I'm David Leuchner signing off by wishing you a great day and praying God blesses every moment of your week. See you soon. You have been listening to the Tech Arts Podcast presented by Digital Great Commission Ministries. DGCM is a 501c3 nonprofit that was started to help churches with all things technical. Whether you need help building a team, finding the right gear, or just a better understanding of the church tech world, DGCM is here for you. Find out more about our free on-site visits, reports, and consulting by going to audiovideolighting.com. Digital Great Commission Ministries will help you run your church service like a pro. Find out more at audiovideolighting.com.